I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome, everyone, to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, sponsored by Vortex Optics and uh, USCCA. We're happy you're here, and don't forget to tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us. You can also go to capegunworks.com and catch it there as well, and you'll sign up to be alerted whenever we go live. We do go live every once in a while outside of and separate from this show. One of those situations is every Tuesday at 2 o'clock for the Grace Curley Show. We do a segment on their sh- on her show called 2A Tuesday. And we take a lot of calls. We answer a lot of questions in that hour that I'm on. It's from about 2 o'clock to about 2.45. So uh, you can catch us there. But you get alerted if you get signed up on the website and you'll know when, whenever we go live. And also sometimes we change the time when we record the show. So you want to be up to date. So go over to capegunworks.com or rapidfireradio.us and get signed up to be alerted whenever we go live. Then you can participate in the chat, the live chat. You can also call the rapid fire line, which is 508-444-2120 any time of the day or night. If we're recording live, you'll get right into the studio and be able to get on the air with me. You can also leave a message or send a text to that same number, 508-444-2120. We're on all the social media platforms that we can think of. I'm sure there's a few we're not on, but uh, everywhere we are, you know, we're on all these social media platforms, and we're at Rapid Fire Radio, all one word, or Cape Gunworks, all one word. So those are our two handles at rapid fire radio and at cape gunworks and now we're on rumble so you can watch live on the rumble cam if you want to go over there but the other thing that's kind of cool that i think a lot of people don't realize is where we archive this show as a podcast so if you miss it live and you miss it on the radio you're not out of luck you can catch it and get your weekly gun fix by going wherever you download your podcasts and just type in Rapid Fire Radio and it'll pop right up and you'll be able to listen and stay up to date because you don't want to miss a show. There's way too much going on out there in this world. So uh, Rapid Fire Radio is something that should be part of your uh, weekly repertoire as far as I'm concerned. I might be a little biased, but anyway, that's what we're... Uh, we feel that it's a it's good steady diet of uh, gun talk and freedom and self defense. So there you go. Uh, but we answer all your questions as it pops up on the feed, or if you leave a message at five zero eight four 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 twenty one twenty. And uh, of course, the first thing I'm going to talk about today is the State of the Union address last night. Um, Grace Curley asked me if I'd be watching it 
Uh, and I said, no, I will wait until all the pundits, you know, kind of package it up for me so I don't have to listen to the vast majority of stuff on there. But I ended up watching the whole thing. And uh, I got to say, uh, mostly because I was watching the news prior to and it just kind of rolled into it. And I might have been just a little too lazy to change the channel or something or shut it off and go do something else. Uh, I think my time would have been much better served reading a book or, you know, spending time with my kids or uh, petting my dog or something like that. But anyway, uh, there was a part where, um, you know, long into the speech where it turned to the inevitable subject of gun control and, uh, you know, Joe Biden loves to use tragedy at as his cudgel and beat people over the head with it. And so uh, naturally he had someone who I hailed as a hero and still feel that he's a hero. Uh, this kid, Brandon, from um, the, the shooting on the lunar uh, New Year, the Chinese Lunar New Year. So go ahead and play that cut, Roy, and uh, we'll we'll let you all hear it in case you missed it. During the Lunar New Year celebrations, you heard the studio door close, and you saw a man standing there pointing a semi-automatic pistol at him. He thought he was going to die, but he thought about the people inside. And in that instant, he found the courage to act and wrestled a semi-automatic pistol away from the gunman who had already killed 11 people in another dance studio. 11. He saved lives. It's time we do the same. Ban assault weapons now. Ban them now. Once and for all. So, you know, again... Gun controllers are very good at standing in the very, you know, blood-stained floor of tragedy and trying to use it to further their agenda of um, of gun control. And it is a uh, horrific tactic. It is an awful technique. It is, um, unfortunately very effective as well. So um, the bottom line is uh, he uses tragedy to further the agenda of gun control and um, of, you know, using it to basically call for an assault weapons ban. The funny thing is he was saying how he had a semi-automatic handgun and then he says, ban assault weapons now. So, those two aren't even connected, but it doesn't matter. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Don't let the facts get in the way of a uh, solution in search of a problem. And the point of the matter is, you know, it was a horrible tragedy that took place by a mentally deranged or evil person. And it was, you know, awful to watch, uh, the video as a result of it, but I will say uh, I was impressed with how the this man was able to disarm the shooter. And, you know, basically uh, my friend Rob Pincus has uh, long said, kind of as a jab to Wayne LaPierre, but also 
um, it has a, a lot of truth to it. And he says, Wayne LaPierre used to say, the only thing that stops a good guy with a gun, I mean, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And Rob Pincus, you, you know, kind of takes that and twists it a little and says, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy who's willing to fight. So this was an, ex- uh, an exceptional show of bravery where this guy who was unarmed confronted the shooter and was able to disarm him and literally just ripped the gun out of his hand. And the, the shooter gives up at that point, you know, but even while he's engaged with the shooter, uh, he's, he's able to not get shot in the process and shows a willingness to fight and a willingness to disarm the guy. I thought he showed great self-control in not shooting the shooter once he gained control of the weapon because the guy came at him to get the weapon back and he just manages to basically shout him out of the building or say, no, you're not getting it back. So I found it uh, amazing that he was able to do that. And uh, the, But the fact of the matter is he was able to fight. He, he stepped up to the plate. He saw a need that needed to be done and he did it. And that is heroic, folks. And that has nothing to do with banning assault weapons. Because guess what? Evil people, criminals, are going to continue to get weapons. They're going to continue to get items that they can implement their... uh, exercise their reign of terror over. So, anyway, we'll talk about that on the other side. If you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, yes, you still got to take a class. But guess what? We have them regularly scheduled here at Cape Gunworks, including ladies only and couples classes. So you want to sign up at capegunworks.com and we'll help you out. We will be right back. More after this. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Number here is 508-444-2120 if you want to give us a call. The poll of the day is, will we see more censorship on social media platforms like Meta in the future? Yes or no? This is in the wake of a lot of gun channels being shut down or demonetized. We also had a sitting senator's uh, Twitter page taken down because it showed him right after he shot uh, an animal in America in a legally legal activity of such as hunting. But you can go and follow the poll question or vote in the poll 
If you go to rapidfireradio.us, you can go to uh, our Twitter page, which is Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. Find us, vote, and while you're there, give us a like, a subscribe, a share, and a comment, and we'll be able to defeat the evil algorithms that try to keep us down. Um, and by the way, this week's discount code, for those of you that track it and use it every week, uh, there are many of you, is Magnum. So M-A-G-N-U-M. Use that at checkout. You'll get a very special discount off your entire order at capegunworks.com. So there you go. Um, but go over to Rapid Fire Radio. I'm anxious to see uh, how you guys, what you guys think. Things are going to get worse or are they going to stay the same or get better? Um, I'm hoping that some things get better. But this brings up a question as to what do we do about it? Because obviously we we all exist on big tech platforms. We all use search engines. We all use um, you know them for social media. We watch video on them. We partake of content. I have noticed that Gun channels that pop up outside of big tech, outside of say YouTube or um, you know Twitter or uh, Meta, you know Facebook, Instagram, etc., don't very don't do well. They they never really do well because it's it's funny because I don't think people want just gun content. Uh, a lot of people I know go to YouTube just for gun content. They may watch other stuff on there. I don't really know. Maybe we should have done that as the poll question or do that next week. Do you, When you go to YouTube, do you do it exclusively for gun content or do you do it for gun content and uh, other stuff as well? Because I use it for other stuff. You know, I'll use it to Google an old video that I saw and it's remarkable. Like whatever clip of any movie you've ever seen if you want to see that clip that's you know important to you or you're trying to show somebody bang it's right there it's crazy how incredibly vast that platform is so as a result the gun channels on youtube do way better than the gun channels on gun only platforms like gun streamer was one and there was some other ones out there as well but those have never really taken off to the heights and the depths that you would think they would. The other downfall is you're in an echo chamber where you're not going to stumble upon somebody who isn't there for gun content, which you might in YouTube world or Twitter world. It's unlikely they're not really promoting our posts. They're not really promoting our content. But it's definitely not um, outside of the realm of possibility and everyone knows what youtube is everyone knows what uh, facebook is if somebody isn't a gun person and they're getting a video shared to them by somebody on you know gun streamer or gun tube or whatever the heck the uh, platform is that arises they may or may not even watch it number one number two they don't even know what it is so there's no familiarity there there's no um they might distrust it as a service thinking it's got viruses or whatever Rumble's another one that um, seems to be making good headway. A lot of people are heading into that, and we certainly um, 
participate in Rumble now, and I think it's a good alternative to YouTube, and maybe it's going to grow into what YouTube used to be, the the former its former glory, but we don't know. So, um, yeah, it's it's like, what do we do with the censorship? What do we do with the uh, with the unique situation that we're in? Because a we we participate in legal commerce we participate in educational videos we participate in gun content or gun talk or gun uh you know uh reviews or cool gear or lifestyle or uh, maybe even breaking down real uh shootings that took place and you know there's a hundred different ways you can talk gun content on these social media channels. And part part of me is like we shouldn't be giving them, rewarding them by viewing their channel when they are so hostile to what, what it is we do. But the bottom line is we actually have to because they, you know, basically... It's their swing set, right? And we, if we want to play on their swing set, we got to play by their rules, which uh, leaves us in this weird situation where it's obviously it's obvious we're being censored. It's obvious we're being, uh, you know, shadow banned. They don't like that terminology, by the way. Inside the industry, they call it. Um, oh, what, what was it? I just did a, uh, I just did a seminar on this by someone who was a Facebook executive and it's uh it's not shadow banned but it's like uh limited visibility i think that's what visibility limited that's what it is and uh so when you're visibility limited they can look you in the face and say oh no you're not being shadow banned um and it's funny because when i go on my instagram content um i i go under my account and i look it up and it says, uh, you know, you go under the status of my account. Uh, it says, I'm going to read it to you so I don't butcher it, but um, you go under settings and then account and then account status. And it says, my recommendation guidelines, I got this like orange triangle with a warning symbol. And it says, some of my content may not follow these guidelines. And, um, then under community guidelines, it says some of your content may not follow these guidelines. So I click on those. It shows me the content that doesn't follow those guidelines. And every single one of the posts actually does not violate the meta guidelines. So I, I argue with them and say, actually, you took that down, um, but I'd like to uh, you to review it. And then they review it and then they repost it and say, you're right, we didn't, you didn't violate our community guidelines, but that still goes as a strike against you. So my account is like literally hanging by a thread and it says uh, that it's, you know, in danger of being uh, taken down. So anyway, we got Trey on the line. Go ahead, Trey. You're next on the Rapid Fire Radio Network. How are you? What's going on, Tully? It's a ghost. Um, yeah, it's on Instagram. The cool thing about Instagram is they deleted my Instagram a couple months ago, but gave me no reason. And when I applied for a review, they came back and said that due to security reasons, they cannot give me any reason and their decision is final. It's like, okay, so that's interesting. Um, so it's interesting how they're, they're filtering. I still, I, I have on my new one, 
my new Instagram, I have that same, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, not recommended and all of that stuff. So it's interesting to see how it goes, you know? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And they did that to us as well. We had our Instagram page for eight years, almost eight years. It was like seven years and thousands of posts and thousands of followers. And same thing happened. They just whacked us one day and man, I tried everything. I tried. And one thing that was pretty interesting about it and, uh, I found a site that said you can reach out to this group of people that specialize in getting accounts back, but it's going to cost you dearly and it's going to cost you a lot of money. And they, they said something like one guy paid upwards. They were a big time influencer and they paid like $30,000 to get it back and they got it back, which is amazing to me, which tells me something. And that is that Facebook or meta employees are in on the scam. If there's money involved and people can pay to get their account back, then there's people on the inside that are deleting accounts that are working with these people on the outside that are getting paid to get the account back. And they're probably getting a kickback. They're probably getting a percentage of it. And it's just unbelievable. It is. I I found something through all like the the next two weeks after they got deleted and all that. I've, I've, trying to find different ways and all this that and the other. And without, like you said, without spending an enormous amount of money, there's probably no way of getting that back. And that's five years of cultivating an audience. And, you know, it wasn't a huge channel, but it was 10,000 followers. And that's, that's a lot for, a, you know, for a small channel like me. And that's, that's a big deal. But I yeah. tell you the one thing that I have seen a lot of people talk about, and it might, it's going to cost, but a lot of people are doing now is every time they post something, about every three posts they put out, they're using the Instagram boost and spending like five bucks, not an enormous amount, but like five bucks to boost a post every third post. And it's amazing if you're spending money with Instagram boosting posts, spending five bucks a, a week or something like that, they don't touch their channels at all because they're making money off of this thing. And I'm not saying it's the right way to do it, but I know people that are, are literally boosting posts once or twice a week for five bucks a piece or whatever it is. And Instagram basically lets them go free reign because they're making money off of them. It's an interesting yeah. way of looking at it. And that, that I'd be happy to do that if I could, but they right. wouldn't even let me boost posts because I, I do gun content. And what the right. craziest thing is they bait you in. They, they basically say, hey, boost this post. So you're like, oh, okay. So I click the boost post and then like after two days they go, you can't boost posts and they use it as a strike against you. It's unbelievable. I had to get a guy uh, who used to work for Facebook actually to get my account unencumbered because of that whole thing. He's like, whatever you do, don't take the bait. <laughs> so if you're doing gun content. Well, the thing about the Facebook is so like my ghost tactical Facebook page, I can no longer get to because when they deleted my Instagram account, they also deleted my personal Facebook, not my my business Facebook, but my personal Facebook account, which is what I have to log into to get to my Ghost Tactical Facebook. So now it's just sitting out there in limbo because I can't even get to it. Yeah. It's well, crazy. That's what happens. Make sure you have backup accounts. That's what we have had to resort to. But anyway, man, thanks for the call, Ghost, uh, and I appreciate you. Um Tell us what you think. Give us a call or text, 508-444-2120. This week's winner is Carrie S. So make sure you... Uh, what did she win, by the way? I forget what she won. Uh, 
She won the pistol class. All right. So you got the pistol class, Carrie, and uh, look for an email from us. And this week we're giving away a 12-gauge cleaning kit. So uh, it's a pretty cool uh, cleaning kit from Mossy Oak Outfitters. So we're going to give that away this week. So go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down, and sign up to win the contest. We'll pull next week's winner on next week's show. And this week's code is Magnum. So more after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. We'll be right back. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. back to rapid fire make sure you give us a call and let us know what you think 508-444-2120 and remember we're moving this to a podcast only format someday i keep threatening this and i keep getting people with some serious pushback to this too they're like you better not i listen to you every day i'm driving and sunday afternoons and so i'm like oh man stop but anyway as of right now our plans are to go podcast only so you can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us and when we do the live show so if you're listening as we do this live nothing changes if you're listening on the radio you're just gonna have to stream it and i know there's a whole generation of people my parents included um who when i say that their eyes glaze over and they just say i'll forget i'll never listen to it but I'm like, look, all you got to do is go to our website, go to rapidfireradio.us or go to capegunworks.com and just click on the link and you're going to be able to stream every show we've ever done. It's so easy. You don't have to download software. You don't have to like have a podcast account or anything, although you can do that if you want. But anyway, I digress. Here we go. So we're going rapidfireradio.us someday. And uh, the Rapid Fire Radio Network is expanding, so there'll be some news on that. I'll tease that out a little bit. So that's cool. Um, but anyway, let's get to the chat, because for those of you who do follow along live, um, you might as well have your questions answered. So 501 wonders if I've ever shot the Remington 1100, and yes, many, many times. That's a great shooting gun. I love it in the 20 gauge. Um, it's a really good Really good gun. Uh, let's see. Um, 
<laughs> Gear Report says, more people need to hold Wayne's feet to the fire. And I agree with that. Uh, probably uh, piggybacking off my uh, Wayne LaPierre quote that I said earlier. And uh, Ghost says, uh, Wayne probably has fireproof shoes that the NRA paid for. <laughs> and that is probably true. Um, so anyway, uh, Gucci fireproof shoes. Uh, yeah, not really amazed. The ability to, to defeat that person unless somebody is absolutely committed to doing violence is often easier uh, than you might think to put them off their game and affect a positive result. No, I agree with that, DJ, and that's in re- uh, re- response to my comment about having the will to fight, you know, so... Uh, if you look at the studies around that, we teach this in the USCCA uh, countering the mass shooter threat class about how studies show that once these armed uh, mass shooters or active shooters are given just a little bit of resistance, very little, but a little bit of resistance, they usually give up or shoot themselves. And I can live with either one of those results. Um Take uh, Nicholas Cruz, for instance, when he was shooting down in um, in Florida there in that school. He was shooting through a hurricane-proof window, which had a film on it, which was affecting the flight of the bullets and causing the bullets to break up or fragment as he shot through. So it wasn't having the desired effect on killing the people fleeing the building. He kind of went up to this vantage point where he could uh, shoot from a position of... Um, you know, advantage. And when it wasn't working, he dropped the gun and grabbed his backpack and ran out himself and walked out with the crowd. Uh, So that little bit of resistance caused him to give up. Even in Virginia Tech, uh, there was one uh, group of people that barricaded the doors with stuff in the room because none of the doors had locked locks on them, which is just crazy in the, in the first place. But the fact that none of them uh, had locks is, is just unbelievable in this day and age. But this was 10, 15 years ago. I can't quite remember when the Virginia Tech shooting was. But one group, when the shooting hard happened, they piled desks and chairs and everything. And that little bit of resistance caused the shooter to just push on the door when it wouldn't open. He left and went to another room, went to another uh, classroom. So that little bit of resistance saved their lives. Also, uh, you know, once... A lot of these shooters who are definitely cowards, they want to face unarmed people. That's why they go to gun-free zones, um, are confronted. When they're confronted with resistance or armed people or people willing to fight, they usually uh, are not, it's not hard to overcome them. Uh, so anyway, um, that's that's a great point, DJ. Uh, and let's see, um, Gear Report's doing a, video on a World War II tank and listening to Rapid Fire. That's cool. Uh, it's it's good. Hopefully I'm some good background noise as you work on that tank or post a video on that. That's a pretty cool video. I'll have to check that out. Uh, was that an MP5 that I shot in my latest video? Yes, that was an MP5. Um, that was the first machine gun we ever made here at Cape Gunworks. And uh, so it, I love that gun. It runs great. It has lots of rounds through it. It's pretty cool, and um, so uh, I wish I could rent that gun out on the range, but I can't because of Afghanistan. But anyway, um, thank you for sharing our 
uh, tweets. I do see that, Anne-Marie. That's great. I appreciate it. Um, and KP is a lifetime member of the NRA, but I won't donate any more to them beyond that. They've allowed themselves to be vilified and used by the gun grabbers as the mecca of evil. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think that's the reason I don't donate to, to them, but as some of the earlier comments mentioned, I don't believe they spend our money wisely. That's why I haven't donated to the NRA in probably 15 years or at least 10. Um, but uh, I am also a life member. So it's important to maintain your status and membership status so that you can vote. Um, but uh, the last few elections have not gone well, I, I would say. But anyway, KP says GOA, FPC, and SAF all get my money in the future. And those are all great uh 2A organizations that are doing really good work out there. Um, so anyway, 508-444-2120 is the number if you want to be on the show. And uh, don't forget the poll of the day over on Twitter, Rapid Fire Radio, uh, or rapidfireradio.us. You can find the poll as well. Will we see more censorship on social media platforms like Meta in the future? Yes, no, or maybe. Um, and currently it's a hundred percent of you think yes. Um, so anyway, we got a question from Scott. Go ahead. Hey, Toby, uh, Scott, I live in Yarmouthport. I have a question about Glocks. I was reading an article about the mills. I think it's up in Littleton, but I'm not sure. But anyways, Glocks aren't sold in Massachusetts unless it's, uh, law enforcement. Just curious. I'm wondering if you could uh, speak on that. Sure. Yeah, no problem. It's it's one of our favorite subjects here. So I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. Uh, Yes, the Littleton Mill is something that I think is kind of cool for Massachusetts to have in our, as a feather in our cap. We have the highest concentration of gun or of FFLs in the country. And an FFL, for those of you who don't know, is a federal firearms licensee. So it's basically what we are at, at the gun store in order to sell guns. So it's the highest concentration of FFLs in the nation. There is 82 FFLs under one roof in Littleton. It's called the Mill Building. It was an old mill factory that made stuff. I don't know what the heck they made back in the day, but now they are a mill of gun gun dealers. And so um, they have it down to a system where they can work within the state law. And we, we do this as well at our shop. Um, a little differently, though, we'll take in a frame and we'll transfer it, no problem, because Massachusetts does not recognize a Glock frame as a firearm. So there is restriction upon FFLs from selling Glocks, even though they've all been tested uh, for sale in this state by Glock, they've spent tens of thousands of dollars to get pretty much every model that they make tested and added to the roster. But they did all this, and then in 1998, they were told that they... Actually, it was after that, I believe, but they were told um, that their guns do not meet the Attorney General's regulations. And so all the guns that were sold in Massachusetts had to be bought back by Glock at full retail value. So Glock sold them to a distributor at whatever price, who then sold them to the FFL or the retailer at whatever price. So it's been marked up 
basically once along the way. And then the AG's office told Glock that you have to buy it back from the consumer for what the consumer paid. So if you ended up paying 599 bucks or something like that, who knows what Glock sold it to the first, you know, the distributor for. Um, and, you know, who knows what the distributor sold it to the, to the retailer for. But that's a big spread from what Glock got paid for that pistol in the first place and what they ended up paying the customer for it. Um, and they, they stepped up to the plate and they did that because they wanted to maintain good standing in this state so that they could sell the Glocks to law enforcement agencies. It's a huge business for them and it's a big uh, industry because I think 60% of all uh, police agencies in Massachusetts carry Glock. The craziest thing is the attorney general said, these guns are unsafe and you should bring it back to where you bought it and get your money back right away. Uh, because this gun is so unsafe that you can't possess it. Now, Glock is considered a safe action pistol. It is a very safe gun, very safe design, and but the attorney general said it's not safe, and therefore you should buy it back. But the craziest part of this whole thing is they said law enforcement can buy them. Imagine that. They want their law enforcement officers to be able to buy and possess unsafe guns. Hmm... But yes, so this is restricted at the dealer level. It's not restricted at the individual level. You can own whatever gun you want, but you can't buy them at a gun store. The ones who are going to do the background check and do all the paperwork and register it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, really uh, makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> but don't don't come to Massachusetts if you want things to make sense. Anyway, uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Uh I'm Toby Leary. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And it is time for one of my favorite segments. Hopefully it's becoming one of your favorite segments, but it's called Gun of the Week. And this week's Gun of the Week is a Savage A22 semi-automatic rifle. It's 22 long rifle, and this one happens to have the MDT chassis. If you're listening on the radio, just... Oh, what happened to my, my, there we go. Uh, if you're listening on the radio, 
You're going to have to close your eyes and imagine. But it's a free-floated chassis gun, and the chassis is made by MDT, and it has an adjustable cheek piece. It has an adjustable length of pull based on the inserts that you put behind the butt pad, so it'll it'll adjust the length of pull by shims, basically. And it has a nice palm swell grip that's, I would say, an AR-15-style grip. Um, has the Savage Accu-Trigger, which is known for to be a really good, smooth, uh, crisp trigger for target shooting. And the free-floated chassis is aluminum, uh, so the barrel you know, has no contact with the stock whatsoever. And this chassis is has M-lock uh, rails at the 3, 6, and 9 position, and it also has a uh, regular sling swivel in the front. So if you want to put some sort of accessory on the sling swivel, like a Harris bipod or something like that, uh, you can, or even there's a bunch of different bipods now that work off the sling swivel. Um, or if you want to put a sling on it, use the <laughs> swivel for what it was designed for. You can do that. Um, the back has a M-lock attachment point on the bottom of the stock. So you could put maybe a, a monopod in the back, uh, some sort of uh, you know monopod that you can le- level the rear of the gun in conjunction with the bipod so then um, basically you're only shouldering it uh, but the gun is resting on uh, basically three legs if you will the, f- the bipod in the front and the one in the back um, so that's an m-lock rail attachment in the back uh, as well um, but it's very ergonomic very good uh, feel to it it has a uh, picatinny rail attached to the top in its drilled and tapped receiver, but it comes from the factory with that pick rail already attached, so you can put optics on it. It's not a iron sight type of gun. You're gonna. This is what we call an optics ready gun, and it has a threaded muzzle, which is legal in Massachusetts on rimfire. If you uh, if you don't have uh, all the other evil features, so in other words, detachable mag and uh, pistol grip are two of the evil features. So you, if you buy this gun, you're either going to pick out a muzzle brake or pin and weld the threaded muzzle, if you will, the thread protector on the muzzle. So, uh, But if you live in a free state that has suppressors, etc., this would be a great host for a suppressor. Um, 22s are a lot of fun to shoot suppressed. They're, they're really cool. And, and Savage has its own uh, rotary-style magazine. So this has a rotary style mag and a really good bolt hold open feature. Uh, so it's a super cool gun, the MDT chassis. It's a heavy barrel contour, and these are very accurate guns. They're um, fun to shoot, you know, obviously cheap and cheerful to shoot because they're low uh, cost in the 22LR. Um, and they also make the 22. Uh, the, the A22 and a 22 Magnum as well with like a more traditional style uh, stock, if you will. So you can check these out. These are right around the $500 mark, just a little north of $500. Uh, but they're very, very nice guns. And they, they're a great price point gun before you get into the real higher end 22 semi-automatic uh, rifles. But this is a great gun. You're going to get a lot of bang for the buck, super accurate for the money. And uh, check them out. They're the Gun of the Week if you go to rapidfireradio.us and scroll down to Gun of the Week. If you want to buy it, use G-O-W at checkout and you can get this Savage A22. So use code G-O-W. 
on checkout for the gun of the week like you like you do every week so all right more after this you're listening to rapid fire is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, a weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. We've talked about guns, we've talked about freedom, and we've talked about Uh, (laughs) self-defense. We're we're hitting on all cylinders this this hour, and we're also taking your uh, chat and your calls as well. If you want to be a part of the show, call 508-444-2120. Don't forget the poll of the day over at Rapid Fire Radio. It is... Will we continue to see more censorship on social media platforms like Meta in the future? And I I guess that's a blanket subject, but I'm kind of keying in specifically to gun content. Um, So yes or no, or maybe. uh, Currently, yes is trending at 80% and no is at 20%. So there's 20% of you out there that think it's about to get better. You don't need an AR-15. Um... Yes, I do. Um, YouTube is the same way. I have 10,000 subs or so, not a lot, but still a few years of my life. Uh, That's fun with a gun. Yeah, exactly. And I got a strike because someone didn't like that I tried to shoot drill bits out of the 12-gauge shotgun. Um, Yeah, that sounds interesting. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, hey, there's a channel out there for everybody. yeah, HPS is agreeing, podcast only, why keep paying for radio airtime? Uh, and radio airtime is expensive, and I do believe that it is the, you know, horsewhip technology of media of the future, but it does still reach a lot of people. Uh, what's the difference between 20-gauge and 12-gauge? I was interested in a shotgun. So 12-gauge is... Uh, a much bigger bore than 20 gauge and thus more recoil, more power. Um, I was once told that if the way that you can tell a gauge is basically if you take the diameter of it, say it's a 12 gauge is roughly three quarters of an inch in diameter, 0.75, and you made a lead ball of that diameter, 12 of those lead balls would add up to a pound and that's how it they came up with the 12 gauge. If you had 20 gauge, the bore of that is 0.685 or something like that. Um, And it would take 20 of the lead balls at that diameter to equal a pound. And 410 doesn't count that way, but 16 gauge, 28 gauge, 20 gauge, 12 gauge, that's how they basically came up with that. Because otherwise, it, it's just kind of weird. Like, what what does that mean? But that's what I was told that meant. And uh, 410 was the only one that was actually the diameter of the bore. 
So 0.410 is the diameter of that bore, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense either because uh, 410 and 45 Colt kind of go hand in hand. Like if you have one of those uh, Taurus Judge or the Smith & Wesson Governor revolvers, they're... um, they shoot 410 gauge shotgun shells and 45 Colt. Maybe because the 45 is a little bit wider. Um, it's, I think, 0.458. And uh, because it's a plastic hull, it doesn't really matter that much. I don't know. But interesting. I've never mic'd them out with like a, you know, set of verniers or anything like that. But uh, let's see. Um, 20 gauge is good for trap? Question mark. Yes, it is. Uh, 12 gauge is a bigger caliber or a bigger bore for sure. I got some people helping out with the answers in the chat, which is awesome. I love when people do that. It's really uh, helpful. Um, let's see. Uh, a prepper channel that Anne Marie was watching last week got a strike because he was showing a gun that his wife and daughter bought him, and YouTube said he was trying to sell it. Rot row. Hopefully, I don't get dinged for that, but. <laughs> um, Tom Gresham from Gun Talk Media was the first one to say the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. All right. I I trust you trust you on that. I know it's attributed more to Wayne LaPierre because he was doing it in I think he had like billboards and ads and stuff like that for it. So anyway, um let's see. Uh fun with a gun I had to take down a bunch of videos like making black powder from real wood. Uh, interesting. Um, let's see. Spring of 07 was Virginia Tech. Thank you, DJ. Uh, so I remember that being a bumper sticker that shows way before LaPierre said it. Okay, cool. I stand corrected. Uh, like I said, I, I've had it, heard it attributed to him, or maybe he stole it, uh, Anyway, any new roster additions forthcoming? That's a great question, and yes, there is. I've heard of several that have passed all testing, and they're just waiting for the new roster to come out. The last roster came out in October, so yes, it's overdue, um, especially since the state is supposed to do it every 90 days. But they don't really care. They're not on our schedule. They're not the law. That doesn't apply to them. It only applies to its minions, Uh, So you don't have to worry about that. Um, Let's see. I've been listening to Gun Talk for about 25 years. I guess I'm an old FUD. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's cool. And I found out I'm on like right after Gun Talk on WRKO on Sunday afternoons. I think Gun Talk's on from 5 to 6 and we're on from 6 to 7. So that's not anymore. I think we are still. No? You checked? Someone at the show last week said they heard me. But not on RKO anymore. All right. Well, we're off. We're done. We tapped out. But we are still on WXTK and uh, WCRN. Yeah. All right. Down to two. From five down to two. But we'll see what happens. Um, Phased plasma rifle in a 40-watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. uh, Then... Uh, Gaston Glock will never be regulated to the point of not making a profit. Fascinating story in the book called Glock. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and the guy who basically brought Glock to America, uh, Milton, 
I forget his last name, but he came in my shop when we first opened and uh, he was kind of a big deal. So he basically sold them to NYPD and put Glock on the map. So that was kind of cool. Uh, he lives in Massachusetts and he's kind of a legend around Yeah. So a um, little bit of the resistance that these shooters run away from is why they choose gun-free zones to begin with. They don't want to fight. They just want to slaughter. 100% KP. I agree with you there. Um, let's see. Indiana Mall shooters st- started to retreat to the bathroom immediately when Elijah Dickens started shooting at him. 100%. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, Tommy Gunn would be the best gift ever, the real full-auto version. <laughs> They are pretty fun to shoot. I will say that. Um, I've been looking at a certain single-action pistol other than the Hellcat. Oh, Striker, I guess, or safe-action pistol other than the Hellcat that's mass-compliant. But I keep seeing that they haven't been in stock for a long time. What's up with that? The Mod 2. Um, oh, Springfield Armory pistol. Sorry, I didn't know what the SA stood for, if it was single-action or, or if it was uh, safe-action or whatever. So other than the Hellcat, then... Yes, we did just have the Springfield XDS-9 in stock a week or so ago, but they're out. And um, I carried that gun for probably about a year before I went over to the uh, SIG 365. Um, It's a great gun. It works great. And now they even make it in that optics-ready setup. But they're literally down to like one model, and I don't know if it's going to continue uh, now that the Hellcat is out. So um, if you have one, hold on to it. Or if you want to get one, uh, scoop it if at your first chance you can get. So Because uh, they're just definitely harder and harder to get, Aaron. So, um, But we, we did manage to find some. So we bought everyone we could get our hands on. Uh, the, the interesting thing about it is they're single stack, true single stack. So... They're going to hold um, seven rounds instead of ten, and they're not that much thinner. I mean, they are thinner, but they're not that much thinner. And they have a grip safety, so they um, that's that's a plus. But you can get the Hellcat without the thumb safety in Massachusetts, so I would say just get the Hellcat. But for some reason you want the, the um, Mod 2, that's cool. Uh, it's a... Different strokes for different folks. That's why we have different guns, right? Maybe it fits your hand better. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, does different bullets like birdshot, buckshot have different recoil in the same gauge? Yes. That's a great shot. Um, Buckshot is definitely going to hurt the shoulder more than birdshot. Um, And basically, you can look at two things, the dram equivalent and the ounce of shot. So basically, um, the lower the ounce of shot, so like... Most people who shoot trap or skeet are shooting one to one and an eighth ounce. When you get into like bird shot, uh, get into like uh, waterfowl shot, usually gets up to one and a quarter or even one and three eighths ounce shot. Uh, it starts to pack quite a punch. Turkey loads, buckshot, those are going to be about the highest recoil uh, shotguns out there. So hopefully that all works for you. And uh, you guys, the chat has been on fire today i appreciate it uh, and that's the end of the first segment first hours in the bag so thanks for tuning in but remember we go on for another hour in the long format uh long format with uh gwebs in the next hour so you don't want to miss that he's our guest for hour number two 
Uh, so go to rapidfireradio.us or call the Rapid Fire line 508-444-2120 if you want to talk to G-Webs. He's been doing this a long time. So uh, go to rapidfireradio.us and ask questions uh, or check out some of our online content. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. Make sure you stay tuned and we will see you next time uh, or see you on the next side, the other side in the next hour. I'm Toby Leary and this is Rapid Fire. We'll see you soon. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Once you're involved in something like this, the stress level, it can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Coert was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you work for taken away. Coert was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford, where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back, and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. Constitutional carry has become all the rage these days. Apparently, the mainstream media has gotten all over this term, and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions, as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. 
and the USCCA. Remember, you can tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. You can also call us on the Rapid Fire line, which is 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And you can rumble with us on rumble.com. You can like and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio on all the usual big tech platforms. So we're happy to be there with you and we're happy you're here with us. Um, and we're also really happy to have on the line with us now one of the original gun websites. That's why he goes by gun websites. Um, so thanks for coming on tonight, G-Webs. We appreciate you joining the show. And how are you today? Good. Thanks for the invite. And uh, I'm trying to figure out, this is uh, Google Meet, so sorry for the technical glitch here, but I'm uh, trying to figure it out as, as we're talking. But thanks for the invite. Yeah, no, it all looks good and sounds good on our end. So uh, we see Bit, the the tactical pug, sitting there in the, <laughs> and uh, he's looking good. He's, you know, I should maybe get the Arlo cam going, and and we can have the two dogs be the stars of this show. But uh, <laughs> um, no, he's looking good. And so, uh, why don't you? Bring everyone up to speed and tell everyone what it is you do and what you've been doing in gun world for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's funny you found our show when we were on the radio in Tucson and then you ended up going over, going over to the live show as we recorded. Um, and so you can kind of end up in that, you know, vein of thought if, uh, if you want. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what it is you've been up to. Right on, saying thanks. I guess uh, I'm not used to the elevator speech, but I am kind of from Shot Show here, right? So I just say I'm uh, I play show and tell on the internet uh, for a long time. I uh, was doing tech, well, I was just doing regular nine to five type of stuff, and I stumbled into a job at AOL here in Tucson, their Western headquarters back in the day, and I really enjoyed working on the internet. And eventually went out on my own and was doing some. Uh, just kind of work for clients and customers doing things as a web guy online, but uh, sharing fishing and hunting out here in Arizona. And eventually that became the major focus. And we started going to SHOT Show and our clients became more gun shops and uh, different outdoor things, you know, uh, guides and, and things like that. And uh, started to kind of focus more on firearms and sharing the, the experience. And once I started to train, I think, you know, it's like someone who's, on firearms training, you start to experience that, and there's there's just a, a lot of nuance there. There's a lot of experience there. So I uh, started to check that out, and then once you get into collecting and going to the museums, that becomes a lot. So just, it's just been a passion to just share that online, and I really uh, like the technology. So using the Internet, that First Amendment, uh, that, that soapbox, right, to get the word out. And then around 2015, I guess my focus went from just plain sharing and playing to being more focused on awareness and uh the second amendment side of it sure yeah it's funny uh you know gun websites but when you you know you boil it down to g webs it's actually what you just described is a web of second amendment activity whether it be uh creating content or doing gun reviews or like you said collecting or getting in on the advocacy side of things or uh, you know hunting and fishing and all the nuance and it can really um you can really geek out on the second amendment in so many different ways 
uh, and you have your fingers in <laughs> dabbled into all of them. I mean, you do an amazing job with a lot of the projects you work on and, you know, whether it be calendars or maps or uh, cards or patches or whatever, it seems like you, you know, have certainly towed your big toe in the water of many different places. And uh, I'm sure it's very rewarding work uh, along the way. And uh, so were you always a gun guy like growing up or did you always, were you always somewhat into guns or was it something that evolved over time? That's interesting. So I've never been asked that one. Well, maybe I have been asked that one before. It's just been a while. So yeah, I've definitely always been around guns. My parents, my family has always had guns. And I don't know if it's from living through the depression or just being second generation into the country and the world wars and everything back in the day. But the the kind of, I don't want to call it prepper mentality. It was called a survivalist mentality when we were kids, right? There was just that you know, people knew that there could be bad stuff in the world and there was this mentality of preparation and self, uh, whatever, you know, just self, um, the ability to, to mean, you know, to keep the, be self-prepared, I guess. It was like I said, throughout the years, it's been called different things, but even through my grandparents, like that was always something that was there. And then collecting has been something too. I've, I've always been gone, gone to gun shows my whole life. So, collecting and being around collections of guns, knowing people with different types of collections and then people sharing those collections and the stories about the new things they acquire. That's always just been part of my experience. And then going on to the internet, I was just sharing that and then discovering that so many people either got into guns as a choice later on in life, or we're still debating whether or not to be interested in guns. So Mm. there's there's definitely a lot of people out there. And I guess my, my story was a little bit different than, I think it was it was more common back in the day, but it's definitely a different story than people have today, I think. Yeah, and I would say that's certainly the most how most people I think find the Second Amendment uh in whatever flavor or uh slice of it that they, you know, have a proclivity towards. But um they you know, I'm probably one of the anomalies out there, and that is my parents weren't into guns in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I joke often, and I had lunch with my parents yesterday, um, that I said, do you remember that you wouldn't even let me have a BB gun growing up? <laughs> and so, like, my parents would probably be considered anti-gun. Uh, not now, uh, but at the time. And in fact, uh, my mother went to our associate pastor at the time and said, Hey, stop mentioning guns in your sermon sermons because my son is obsessed with them at, I think I was 14 at the time or something like that. And he can't wait to get his hands on a gun and, uh, not for the wrong reasons for obviously the right reasons, but you're just feeding, you're just fanning this flame of his. And that flame was birthed in the boy Scouts at 12 years old when my scout leader took me shooting. So I guess I was a little different in that, you know, my parents didn't get me into it. And that, I would say, is where most people do get into the Second Amendment or to hunting or fishing or shooting or whatever. They're introduced by their parents. Me, I had to go outside that box, so to speak. And uh, it was a scout leader that ended up introducing me to firearms, and I was hooked. But um, so... You know, along those lines, as you, you know, grew up around guns or uh, whatever it was, and then you got a job on the internet, and as you mentioned, uh, you you kind of 
started out on, you know, working for AOL way back in the day. And, and, uh, that, that caused you to start to dabble in gun websites, right. And start to deal with, uh, you tell a cool story about when you went to shot show and I'd love you to share that, uh, when you were first going to shot show with your digital camera and et cetera, et cetera. So why don't you tell everyone about that? It's a pretty fascinating story. Right on. So the, uh, yeah, whenever I, I, I had been on the internet for a long time. I don't know when you first started playing on the internet, but there was like, I don't know, bulletin boards. You could like dial a modem. Think of like war games where you would like dial into a bunch of noises and it wasn't really what we know as the internet today, but the idea that you could connect computers together was something that was throughout the nineties. So, um, uh, Whenever I get, I got to AOL. I kind of got reintroduced to what computers could do as far as inter, obviously internet and interconnecting. Uh, so uh, that's when I started to figure out what the internet was, because uh, I, I guess through the '90s I wasn't really online too much or playing with computers too much. I had dabbled with them earlier in school, anyhow. So I uh, kind of got reintroduced at AOL. And once I figured out, like I was saying, like once I figured out what the internet could do and how free it was, and it was essentially. Uh, the First Amendment. It was books. It was publishing. You know, the same way that when we were kids, we would go to this to a, a really good store, uh, maybe a liquor store or a cigar store or something. They'd have a ton of different gun magazines and hunting magazines, and you know, instead of just like American Rifleman, you could find a Mule Deer magazine and a Elk magazine or something, or you know, a rifle or a handgun magazine instead of just a, a American Rifleman again. So, uh, you know, the Internet was the ability to do that. And people in the early 2000s hadn't really started to do anything with that yet, or at least that was the beginning of all that. So, yeah, as soon as the first – I was just playing around online, and as soon as the first person said, hey, can you – can I pay you to do what you do for my business? I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's a – I can make business – you know, there's a business to be made here. So I started making websites, and it didn't take long after I made a few websites for other people that, you know, I started to see, oh, I could buy – you know, gunwebsites.com, that's available. I'll buy that. And, you know, quite a few more after that, yeah. So when we started going to SHOT Show, I think what you're talking about is, like, sort of that evolution of the digital cameras at first were kind of new. Most of the time people took pictures with cameras that used film, and they had to be developed. And usually you got coverage at SHOT Show would hit the world in August of the year. So SHOT Show was in January, and it would take till August for all the photographs to be taken and all the layouts and magazines to be published and people didn't see what happened at Chacho until August, you know, so uh, kind of getting ready for Christmas season or whatever. So when we were taking digital pictures and putting those images online immediately, that was kind of a new thing. And I often explain that because we talk, we think about the industry, the gun industry is something that we don't have much effect on as end users, as customers, well, those were just people that were interested in what was going on at SHOT Show, and enough of us brought digital cameras that eventually they were comfortable with digital cameras, and then eventually that became video, and eventually that became streaming, and eventually that became phones, and now people spend a lot of money to be at SHOT Show for that real estate at the SHOT Show booth, and there's a portion of that SHOT Show booth that's literally just a backdrop for people to come up and do selfies or you know hold the phone and do something with their small YouTube channel. So that that influence might not, it's like erosion of water. It doesn't seem like it's a lot of power, but it's all the power. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty interesting because, you know, I take for granted, certainly as a latecomer to the industry, if you will, and certainly um, even, 
one who has not participated in as many shot shows as you, uh, that I take that for granted that it was always that way, but it wasn't. It was it was a much different experience going back, even just a handful of years. Uh, it was certainly probably the people who wrote for major magazines and some of their you know photographers that carried along along a lot of big SLR equipment, et cetera, et cetera, did the work and the heavy lifting. Now it's people with phones and. Yeah, you'll still see a lot of the big YouTubers have a, a whole camera crew with lighting and big rigs and sleds and uh, some high-tech camera gear. But frankly, the content can be uploaded almost instantly to whatever whatever uh, outlet you prefer. Uh, almost, you know, in- including instantly, you can go live and do it there now. Uh, it's pretty pretty fascinating how the information gets disseminated. Uh, I see the joke on some channels uh, on the Instagram about like, you know, it's that meme with uh, the Game of Thrones where the guy's saying, brace yourself, winter's coming. But uh, they got that guy and it says, brace yourself, the photos from SHOT Show are coming. So all 50,000 people that are there are posting pictures and videos and talking about it. And it's it's wild how the information just gets out instantly. And uh, you've been there a while, and so you've made a lot of good contacts, a lot of good friends. Um, it was pretty cool to meet up with you out at SHOT Show and just, uh, you know, everybody's like, hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you, you know, everybody, I'm just this guy who flies under the radar, but, you know, you kind of are, are a fixture at SHOT Show at this point, but... Uh, and you've always gone in your capacity as a media, correct? Yeah. <clears throat> yes, I'd go in as media. Uh, I'd like to go as crew at some point. I'd like to help uh, promote the show itself and cover the show. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing left I've got to attempt would be to go as staff of NSSF to be able to get like some behind the scenes and get my camera to places that you know normally they don't allow press. But uh, yeah, it's been pretty neat going as press. Like the press room has changed, and like you said, well, you've had Mike Deddy on the show, and yep. Mike's been there every bit as long as I have, probably longer. Uh, like you say, as published media, whatever you call it, like print media, sure, um, where they're walking around with notepads, maybe a, a snap camera or something. I'm sure to remind themselves of things, but like you said, they'd have a camera crew with them to take the real pictures, or maybe they'd arrange to have the pictures taken, you know, in July or something. Yeah, in a photo booth or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I I missed out on that whole media room. It was funny. I was there as a firearms retailer with the special M designation because of my rapid fire status. So <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. I actually, if I had booked the tickets, I would have booked myself as media. But Brendan booked the tickets, so we ended up going as a retailer. Um, but uh, so it was kind of funny to see some of the faces on media day when I went to the range day and they were looking at me as a retailer but i had the m and they're just kind of scratching their head like no i also do media i have a radio show etc etc and they're like oh okay but it was pretty neat to see um how much bandwidth is dedicated to the media side of things where they have that whole media row where there's a lot of youtubers and radio guys that have dedicated setups and they're basically interviewing people and doing reviews and doing uh, notifications and updates of everything that's going on at SHOT Show. And, you know, it's the one place that's centralized. And next year, I'd certainly like to go and be a little bit more prepared for that side of things where I could actually 
not just line people up for later, but let's, hey, let's roll up our sleeves and go up the room, you know, go up the stairs and sit in front of a couple of microphones and let the cameras roll right there because that would be a really cool uh, opportunity to get people that are in the same room on the air, you know, without having to schedule it and pick a date and a time that works for everybody and kick emails back and forth for two weeks. So I felt like that was a pretty neat side of uh, SHOT Show that I had never even seen. And uh, yeah, I would say the person to get on the show then would be Craig Deleuze from FPC, who does coffee with Craig. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you met up with him. He was at the FPC event. Yep. We went on what, Monday. And because uh, he did he did the best. I think he did the best coverage. He was sitting sort of at the right end of radio row, like you're saying, and had his interviews about 15 minutes or so each mm. and did a great job of uh, kind of sampling the variety of people that were there this year from mostly the second amendment side, but you know, there's not a lot of second amendment people, but it's always growing and it's getting bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple questions rolling in here. Uh, uh, one of them is, um, well, 500 saying, thankfully like G webs guns have always been a part of his life. And, um, you know, going back to what you were saying about the, magazines and stuff i can actually remember being on trips with friends families where we we were either in like new hampshire or florida or something i went on a couple of you know trips on my friends family getaways and when we went to the grocery store and i saw like guns magazine or american rifleman or whatever the glossy publication of the time was and i i had you know five bucks five dollar bill burning a hole in my pocket um a lot of 12-year-old kids might buy a pack of gum and a Coke, and I end up buying the gun magazine, and my friend's mom looking at me like, would your parents approve of this? You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll be fine, no problem. <laughs> and uh, I can remember reading them cover to cover and dog-earing them open, and and uh, so it was pretty pretty interesting how you mentioned, you know, the the print media, et cetera, et cetera, and before the internet, and I, I that was one of my outlets because I had no... Um, ability to get my hands on guns uh on a regular basis and i used to have to go over my good friend's house who had he his mother at least let him have a bb gun and would you know set up targets and tin cans and shoot for hours and hours on, on end but that that's how you know how i had to get it out of my system that and some uh smuggled gun magazines with those glossy pictures of <laughs> stainless steel and and wood <laughs> to get it well, out of my system it's no different than like cars or boats or right. you know, airplanes or something. You're never going to get your hands on that as a kid either, but you still, you know, learn all about them and the models and which one would outperform what. I think it's just, uh, I think guns are a lot more actual. Well, we had them. I mean, they're around. So I, I knew we could get a hold of them and that you could go to a gun shop and look at one or even buy one. But in, as far as like compared to a car or motorcycle or something, even the more expensive guns are way more affordable than a motorcycle or something, or a car. Yeah. So it was, you know, more achievable or more obtainable, I guess the word. Mm. Good point. Yeah, they're not a life-altering per, uh, purchase where you're, you know, you have to mortgage or make monthly payments on it, unless you get like a Barrett M107 or something like that. But <laughs> which, by the way, we have one coming in. Just throw, thought I'd throw that out there as a. Um, completely unashamed uh plug but anyway what do you what do you think about barrett being sold to 
I forget the country now. It got sold to a different country. Really? I did not know that. I didn't. I heard about it at the last couple of days of shot, and uh, some of you'll know in the chat. I'm just not thinking of it until I try to not think of it. I'll remember. But yeah, they got sold to somebody in another country. About them. I think Australia. I think it was Australia. Australia, but. really? Yeah. Wow. It's funny you say that because I'm going to do a video, and I don't want to blow it here by telling you too much. But I'm going to do a video on that sap pistol we have, which is from Australian Arms Corporation. Um. And it's a, it's like a, it's not a true AR pistol, but it takes AR mags. And uh, I, I say it's the gun that drips with irony because it was manufactured in Australia, imported through California, and now it sits in Massachusetts as a pre-band pistol. Um, so uh, it's the gun that drips with irony, those three, you know, two states in one country that are all hostile to firearms ownership. But. Yeah, it's, it's like the the Tiki doll or something from uh, the Brady Bunch Hawaii episode <laughs> or something. I think you're scared to touch that gun. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so we got a question here that says, how do they verify who you are when you sign up for SHOT Show? Like, how do they know you have press credentials and whatnot? Um, that's a good question and probably something you'd be better it kind of just depends on, I mean, I don't want to speak for them. The NSSF is a national organization that now owns SAMI, right? So SAMI is the ammunition spec and a lot of the different spec for the firearms industry. And they're also like the, the NSSF is the National Shooting Sports Foundation. They're the liaison between the industry and the government and I guess you could say the end user. But uh, NSSF has the has taken on the responsibility since like the 60s, 74, I guess, to do SHOT Show, which was the kind of, there used to be regional shows, and then everybody was getting sick of doing regional shows, I guess, so they started to do this national show, and then NSSF took it on, and from what I understand, it got large enough over the years that they have promoters, so there's different promoters that'll take it on, and that kind of changes, so since, and I'm explaining that because the, the qualifications or whatever the parameters are, will kind of depend on the promoter sometimes because NSSF just says, wait, we want a shot show and here's the general idea. Now go put it on. And then the rules of it will kind of change over the years Hmm. because of the promoters or the, whoever you call this level. I think of it as a gun show. So I think of it as gun show promoters, right? There's the NRA, they want a gun show. So they just go hire a big gun show promoter and say, you know, make one happen in each year. So each year it's kind of different, but for the most part, it's going to be different if you're radio. It's going to be different if you're television. It's going to be different if you're internet. So I think they've kind of evolved or they've adapted to the culture or the whatever we call the phenomenons of like YouTube. At first it was if you had a website, well, that doesn't count. And then if you had a large enough website, okay, that counts. Hmm. And then uh, social media became a thing in what, 2014-ish? And okay, you know, you don't have to have a website anymore because your 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 social might be large enough. But you know, at one time it was what what do they call it? Uh, MySpace. Mm-hmm. Like there was nobody ever from MySpace, but you know that used to be a big one. Uh, at some point, I guess uh, I'm not sure where how they make the determinations, but they must have some sort of a gauge that says, you know, something if you have an account or uh, a number of accounts or something. So they've kind of used some kind of a determination for socials. Uh, and they've kind of adapted that, and it's gotten more strenuous and less more lenient over the years. So I'm trying, I'm being vague, but it's just because there's kind of a loose uh, 
parameter that they sometimes stick to and sometimes kind of just use as a general idea. Interesting. They've had a lot of, there's, there's been years where there's a lot of press and it pisses everybody off and it gets in everybody's way. And then they they hold back on the press. There's been years where anybody who had a police credential could show up and that got in the way and everybody got frustrated and they pulled back on that. There's been years where anybody at a gun shop could show up and then they said, Hey, just the owners of the shops show up. So shot show kind of fluctuates and, and it kind of depends, you know, they have 60,000 people in the aisles and if it's, 60,000 people plus 5,000 people getting in the way. Everybody complains about it, and they yeah. adjust it next year. So sure. I don't want to be vague, but they do change it a little bit. It's a it's a living show. A moving target. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it looks like uh, Noya acquires U.S. manufacturer Barrett Firearms, Australian defense contractor Noya, Nioa. I'm not sure how to say that. Maybe it's an acronym, N-I-O-A has expanded its global reach with 100% acquisition of the industry-leading rifle design and manufacturing co- company, Barrett Firearms. Um, the financials have not been disclosed, uh, but it sounds like they're going to keep the manufacturing in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um, so that's good. It sounds like it'll keep some uh, keep some American jobs here, and it doesn't sound like they're going to export them. Uh, but interestingly enough, Barrett has two $50 million contracts with the U.S. Army um, and so, or the U.S. Armed Forces. So we'll see how that, if that continues. I mean, I'm sure that played into a factor of the amount of money that they were willing to pay for it. That's a huge contract, $100 million worth of business. But anyway, um, we're going to continue our conversation with G. G-Webs here, so if you want to hold on, uh, we will be right back after this break, and uh, uh, so yeah, don't go anywhere. If you want to call or text the show, it's 508-444-2120. If you have any questions for G-Webs, get on the horn now, and we will be right back after this. This is Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back. We are here with Pete from G-Webs, Gun Websites on Rapid Fire, a 2A talk show that you can call into or you can text your questions to 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And uh, just to close the loop on what we were talking about, I, I was just talking off the air 
about how I'm shocked that Barrett would sell to a foreign company. They were a very, you know, patriotic, homegrown company that dealt with the U.S. military and everything else. So I guess that's the thing I'm in shock the most of about Barrett. And uh, one thing I thought was really cool about Barrett's story was um, whenever a state, like, would ban, say, the fifty caliber or something like that rifle like California did or whatever – the Barrett stood up and actually would say, okay, well, we're not selling you any guns to your law enforcement agencies. And then they come out with the 416 Barrett and sell to civilians anyway. <laughs> so I thought that type of leadership in the country would never end up selling to a, a company based in Australia. So I don't know. I guess that's ironic in my, in my initial reaction to that. Yeah, and it's also, you know, as you think about it, it's frustrating that there isn't an American company that wouldn't have said, yeah, what's the number? What check right. do we write, right? Yeah. Yeah, you'd think there would be someone at the table that w- that would be willing to do that. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. I don't know. Maybe they were given an offer they couldn't refuse. <laughs> Who knows? And, you know, at, at some point in everybody's life, the the golden parachute or the... Uh, you know, what is the exit strategy at some point in life, right? Uh, you know, I'm just throwing this out there, but there is a number I could be bought for. So <laughs> if if uh, NOIA is listening, uh, give me a call off air. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I got a long way to go before I get any kind of uh, offer like that. But anyway, uh, it's interesting nonetheless and certainly uh, – Something I'm gonna have to read more. Well, Ronnie's not that old. We'll see. Maybe he's got something else in mind. Yeah, the fifties played out, and he's got something new. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's gonna go little. I'm gonna see some crazy seventeen something or other. Yeah, who knows? That's a good good thought too. Yeah, maybe he's not getting out. Maybe he's trying to go after a a new passion in this industry. So. Anyway, if you want to talk or be on the show, five zero eight four 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 twenty one twenty. is the number you can call or text or email or uh, whatever you want to do. We'll, we'll get it. Um, and uh, one of the things you've worked on in the past is that I thought was pretty cool. You did a couple different tours, but you did a, a gun show loophole tour. And uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about that? And then you talk, mentioned talking about that at the thing, and I was holding back talking about Barrett, but uh, this is going to work out pretty neat. So in 2012, I think in 2001 is the first time I decided to do a, a trip and uh, um, focus or you know share that trip on the Internet. And then it wasn't until 2012 that I was able to really do that again. I guess we had traveled by plane a few times before that. But in 2012, I uh, had wrecked my pickup truck, so I bought uh, – uh, police car at auction and uh, a friend of mine, the Haas USMC from YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I got in the cop car and we decided to drive to the Bannerman castle in, in New York. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's uh, back in the Spanish American war, a guy who had been around um, purchasing army surplus, literally purchased everything from both sides of the Spanish American war and brought that to New York. They eventually said, we're not real comfortable with this in the city of New York. How about you move it? So he bought an island in, uh, in uh, what's the name of that river? In that, you know, the river Hudson. in New York. Hudson? Uh, Hudson, I guess. Yeah. 
and uh, he has an, a castle on the island that's a warehouse, and it it burned down. This the state of New York let it decay, amazingly, right. and uh, there there's a trust that keeps it around, and you can take a boat out to that island. And I've always dug it. But when we we're talking about magazines from back in the day, the Bannerman catalog was a catalog you could get and just thumb through it, and it was the catalog from back, you know, in the 20s or something, the 30s, and you could thumb through it and buy everything from, like, armor to to Garands. It was wow. awesome. That's so, cool. uh, anyway, then, then uh, so we were planning to drive out to that castle, and that was sort of the beginning of the tour. And just to wrap it up with what we were just talking about, we had driven through uh, Tulsa, and I had, we were kind of battling about, who could get us to the most factory tours. And we had done a couple of factory tours with AK builders that I knew in Tulsa. And then uh, Haas called up Chris Costa and got a tour of Nighthawk. And we've talked about when I did that tour at Nighthawk, right? Yep. And then they say, oh, you should go to the Sanders Museum. We're like, oh, no, I'm in a big hurry. So we leave. We leave. We go to Memphis. And big then, mistake, uh, by the way. <laughs> I know. Yeah, totally. I'm going, I'm going back. Yeah. But uh, we, we leave out of there. We go to Graceland. And then we're heading towards east coast again and i'm gonna stop by jaeger's place and Haas is like oh no no we're not stopping there and we end up long story short we stopped there and while we're there jaeger hooks us up with barrett and we stop in was it nashville there and go to uh the barrett factory and we knock on the door like yeah james jaeger sent us and you know they're giving us this tour and the guy's giving us the tour he's like nobody gets a tour of this place like usually generals and like Foreign heads of state are the only people that get to get in this building. Like, how'd you guys get in? I'm like, I don't know. James called his, you know, Barrett's daughter, and he said, "Sure, let's come in." So we couldn't take any video or anything. But anyway, that's my story with Barrett back in 2012. But cool. that started the tour, and we drove around. Our goal was to meet up with some YouTube people and to do something with our audiences, right? Like, we create these audiences. We're basically amateurs, but unlike television, we have interactive reach with these people, right? So let's do something with it. And it was frustrating. We didn't really get to do much with that, but that was our first effort. So that also got me a taste of rambling across the country. Uh, we used our YouTube money and we were able to just literally drive. You know, we're going to go here. We're going to go here. We met up with a lot of firearms manufacturers, but on the way, if we would pass a gun shop, we'd just stop and, and go in and hit chat with them a little bit. Uh, so fast forward to 2016. And I was using Patreon uh, to have people subscribe to our projects, the different websites and stuff that we do. Mm. So we decided to do a Patreon level of $75 and people would, you know, for $75 a month, we drove around the country and we would stop at gun shops and spend the $50 of that, use 20 of it for shipping and essentially just spend hundreds of dollars at gun shops around the country and just kind of mosey around the country checking out gun shops, doing reviews of them, putting it on the YouTube, you know, on the internet, and then spending money there, sending that to the Patreons and did that for a couple of years. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. That's, that's a cool concept when you take the money that they uh, pledge to you and then you, you basically put it to good use at the gun stores that you're visiting and whatnot. That's, that's a really cool concept. I like that. We attempted to buy their their swag. So if they had hats or shirts or patches, I mean, that's my thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'd buy whatever they had. And if they didn't have something, then maybe like these little flashlights with the LED strip in them or like, uh, you know, some kind of a key ring that looked like a 50 BMG, you know, something that they got a good markup and they'd, you know, appreciate us buying $200 worth of it. And then sure. I'd just send that to the people each month in the in their kind of care package that they were 
spreading around. Very cool. I bet you got to see some really cool shops along the way too. Meet Good and bad. A couple. I, I, I have about sixteen that were like abandoned. You know, that were on Google Maps, but turned out to be closed. Uh, some that were, I don't want to say mediocre, but you know, some that were, you know, not spectacular. But a couple that, yeah, some really, really, really cool shops. I've been to something like two hundred and something so far. Nice. Well, um, <laughs> it's funny um, you say that because. In the last week, I've had two people text me a screenshot of Cape Gunworks at our old location with a permanently closed thing under it. And they said, what the heck is going on? I Googled your shop, and this is what comes up. And I'm going, no way. Like you, Goog- Oh, that's a tactic. Yeah. And I said, you Googled it? And the one guy said, yeah, he Googled it. The other one said, no, I was on Yahoo Maps. And so Brendan looked into this a little bit, and Yahoo Maps went out of business in 2015. So it's uh, it's entirely possible that one of them is Yahoo Maps. But how did they get this, the memo that we were permanently closed at the old location? And I can't get it to come up wrong in my search. I've searched a hundred different ways, but of course my phone or my computer knows who I am and what I do. So it's of course going to come up right every time. But um, so yeah, it it was very frustrating to me to get feedback from one of them reached out on Facebook Messenger, said, Hey, what's up? You know, and I'm like, well, that's the wrong address, number one. And number two, where the heck did you find this? Because we thought we've updated this on every possible avenue, you know, and I know there's like millions of social media sites out there or websites. And if one of them has it wrong, it might get picked up in some feed or some data or whatever. But it, it was extremely frustrating that it doesn't say like move to location or move to 96 Airport Road. No, it just says permanently closed. You know. <laughs> well, I was going to say I've, I've actually talked to at least two stores that had that similar thing where they moved their location and Google was, I want to say this this way, but they were, if they didn't update their stuff with the system, then they were going to leave it where it was. And they were, because I basically, one of them's in, in um, uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Mm. And I rolled up and they said, oh, I was like, hey, I, your Google Maps says you're way across the way. He says, yeah, well, anyway, like I just said, unless you update it with them for pay, a fee, they're just going to leave it the other one. So Yeah, and we get calls at least every week, if not every three days, from some Google ad listing, you know, company, and it usually involves um, heavy Indian accent, you know, uh, and they're saying, oh, you got to update your Google. I said, we do that. We, like, manage this. Oh, no, but it's not right. And, we, you know, now I, I block all those numbers, so it's less and less calls. But, it, you know, I don't even it, – it shouldn't uh, be that extortion. It might, be a, it, it might just be being used that way, too. Like, yeah. I didn't – now that you're talking about it that way, it could be that he's being contacted by a third party who's suggesting like that kind of extortion type of situation when in reality it might just be uh, some form that you're not familiar with or some update form that you know just needs to be clicked and they're familiar with it and they're just uh, you know, holding that right. knowledge or something. But Yeah. All right. So uh, one of the other things that you have participated in or spearheaded in one of your many projects and endeavors, you sent me some... Uh, pretty cool playing cards. Maybe, oh, dang. And 
in uh, light of G-Webs being on the show today, we should have given away a pack of these as the giveaway. And maybe we'll switch gears. But you got a bunch of cool ones. You got the Old West guns, uh, which basically it's a pack of cards, and uh, you have some really cool Old Western guns on there. You got the visual Kalishnikov recognition uh, package of cards here, and uh, the firearm inventors cards, uh, which are pretty neat. That shows like all the patents and uh, all the different um, firearms inventors on it. So, I mean, this stuff takes runs into some real time and effort and energy on your part to to basically do a deep dive into all of these rabbit holes that you've gone down and put into a really cool um, packaging and a cool concept of being a playing card. And what wh- where'd you get the idea for that? And what is what is that all about? If you could tell me a little bit about that. Well, first off, I appreciate that. I've been doing this for a long time. Nobody's ever asked me that before. So in 15, uh, I've always just been a fan of aircraft recognition. Uh, we call them airplane recognition cards, mm-hmm. you know, aircraft recognition cards. I was in Civil Air Patrol when I was a kid, so I've just always been around those things. And if you pay attention, there's also vehicle recognition decks and boat recognition decks. There's all kinds of stuff for soldiers and um, well, military people to practice recognition of foreign vehicles, right? So the AK deck was a project. For a couple of reasons, I have, like I say, in 2015, I started to move towards activism and awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say awareness because I really think that most of the attacks that we get at Second Amendment level are at those 80% of the people in the middle who don't have an opinion on firearms. So they're swayed by media and misinterpretations or misunderstandings of what firearms are. So that awareness, things like the DC Project and other projects that are that are about awareness and, and education versus legislation all the time. Uh, these kind of projects are critical. Suicide awareness, right? Suicide prevention. Uh, that's two out of three firearms deaths, right? So in 15, I became aware of that kind of stuff, and I had be I had already known. We kind of talked about going to Shot Show for 10 years. I had seen the the waves of people coming into the industry, either as media or just interested folks, activists. And they get discouraged. They don't get enough support, and they leave. And we, 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 you know, there's good people coming and going. Well, that happens everywhere in the world. So I, you know, I was just observing it. In 15, I decided let's try to do something about this. I already had attained success on YouTube and on other platforms. I knew that the internet was simply a, an instrument that can be mastered like any tool. So let's get people together. Let's bring them together. So if you see those decks, if I don't know if you've opened them. But there's cards in there that thank all the different people that were involved in the collaboration on the decks. So I would do the decks. I would create the decks in the software in in workshops, just like we're in here, a live conversation. I'd go live, you know, for every Tuesday for however long it took to make them for months and months. And people would come in and collaborate and, and be part of it and learn how to use the software. And then eventually we would do a crowdfunding campaign. And that's where I would show Anybody who wanted to learn how to set something up as a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo or Kickstarter mm. and fund the project. So we funded the project through collaboration and we created the project through collaboration. And that first deck being just the silhouettes of AK-47s was kind of bland. Like the feedback from it was essentially, you know, it's not as cool as it would have been if they were color and this and that. So, okay, take that into consideration. I live in Tucson, so the next deck was Old West Guns. Same thing. Let's train people how to use the software. Let's show them that you can create a product 
that's gun related that can be sold as a thing. You can bring that to gun shops. It's it's a nice catalyst for growth or, you know, if you're a capitalist, you know, paying for your project, whatever it is you might be doing. Uh, you can make a deck of cards in the United States. Every one of those is published, you know, here in the United States. So it's all American work, American transportation. Uh, and then the third one was essentially the same thing, you know, just bringing more people together, trying to do these things as workshops and then crowdfund them to make them happen. And then they, you know, they also we sell them. And that's how it, we continue to keep the, the servers up and the projects running and growing, hopefully. Very cool. And ingenious if you ask me it's uh i love the fact that it's supported by the people who are you know in the industry and it's not necessarily just speculative speculative where you know someone has to front the dough and put a bunch of money out there and hope it covers the cost but if you do it through crowdsource funding it it automatically well should at least give you the seed money and the and the funds to get it going and certainly uh could be uh, done in, uh, I mean, this concept could be done in perpetuity. Like if you you could almost come out with a different deck of cards every every couple of months or once a month or something, and it could. I mean, the firearms industry is so diverse and so nuanced that I mean, man, the, you could go any which way to Sunday with that. Um, and what it actually reminds me of a little bit is. Uh, a buddy of mine gives gives me a DVD one day about this cache of guns that was found in Nepal, and they're all like Martini rifles, and up in these like, <laughs> I guess it was a castle from some king from or some warlord or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of rifles were found. I mean, hundreds of thousands of rifles. It was unbelievable cache of weapons all like in racks and in catalogs and in crates and in, you know, it was just amazing. And it was their defense system, but uh, it was, and now there's one guy who like invested in it and he's bringing them to America and selling them off. Uh, But his initial investment was millions of dollars. And uh, they, so they devoted this whole DVD to it to, to bring awareness to it in the first place. And then, you know, you, you just don't think that there's like caches of firearms out there like this that are very nuanced. And, you know, in some cases they had cartouches and inlays and mother of pearl and the stocks and gold gilding and, you know, just crazy stuff that looks amazing. And uh, you think about some, you know, Himalayan warlord that just has had these as his armory, basically. Uh, and that's what kind of this card, these cards remind me of. Like you could just even in the old West playing cards, that genre alone could, you could certainly get through 52 cards in a deck and do one, a, one deck a month for a, a year or two probably and never even fully scratch the surface, especially in the age of the industrial revolution, not to mention the, you know, the, that early, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, people were so industrious that build guns on the farm and build guns in the you know garage or the factory or the basement or you know wherever the heck they worked and and uh, you know it was a way of life and so you could certainly never exhaust that subject matter. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. And you've done similar projects too with like museums, right? You did the calendar with museums and stuff like that. 
Exactly. After being at a bunch of the museums and being frustrated, there's actually the museums get together and mope every year. I make fun of them because they get together and complain that nobody goes to their museums, but yet they don't let the clubs in that really care passionately about the stuff at their museums and uh, they don't do any kind of virtual stuff. So uh, in order to kind of bug them, I think I made a uh, concept of a passport. You know, what if they had a passport that if Mm. every time you visited one of the firearms museum, you got a stamp. Yeah. So they wouldn't take my idea, so I just made it a project, and yeah, yeah, maybe everybody can virtually stamp. But there, we have thirty-three something plus. Well, I think I've been to thirty-three. There's something like fifty-something museums, and they're amazing. We've got Freedom, right, and we've got individual collections. Well, you've seen some of them too. We live right next to a whole bunch of them that I haven't experienced yet. Some of the Massachusetts ones, or the Springfield ones, and stuff like that, Connecticut ones, I guess. But um, yeah, we've got uh, the uh, such a, a resource in our in a thick history rich history in our uh, museums that yeah i just i'm passionate about it they're really fun and most of them are free and they're all over so you can pretty much find one in any corner of the country yeah pretty amazing i i really haven't done that i haven't gone to museums etc and uh the saunders museum was the first one i went to in berryville arkansas and i kind of begrudgingly went but uh, my Nighthawk rep was like, man, you got to go check this museum out. And I'm thinking, I'm in the land of museums down like from Branson, Missouri, down into Arkansas, where even north of Branson up like into Chicago, it was like when we drove down from Chicago, I, I passed the Grain Elevator Museum. You know, you pass the um, the Fire Academy Museum. You pass, It's just endless museums. And I'm like, they all sound incredibly boring to me. So when I get down to this little old town in Arkansas and think um, this rep is telling me, man, you got to check it out. I want to bring you there. And I'm like, okay. And when I went there with a couple of real gun cranks, you know, Mark and Clint and these guys that I was with, they are serious gun collectors. And to watch them walk around this place with their jaw scraping on the ground was just fun to, for me to watch because they knew what they were looking at instantly, and they educated me on what the heck I'm looking at. And, of course, some of the signs are pretty obvious too, like, oh, this one was Jesse James' gun. Oh, this was Frank James, and this was Annie Oakley's gun. And <laughs> So, you know, you're looking at that kind of stuff, but uh, even the stuff that didn't have that type of provenance, but they're Colt Walker Dragoons, which are worth a half a million bucks a piece, you know, and he's got four of them on the table. So pretty, pretty interesting stuff. But um, so, yeah, I, I definitely wet my appetite for wanting to see more of that. And uh, so you'll have to come up to the Northeast and maybe we can do all those museums together. We'll do, uh, you know, Springfield Armory and that stuff because I haven't even been there and I live in the backyard. So um, I'm a little embarrassed about that, but We'll get you up east, and and that'd be a fun little project we could do together. Yeah, I'm in. That sounds cool. Um, One quick question here from the text line. Uh, You've been a 2A advocate for years. What 2A accomplishments are you most proud of? Uh, I think the recent uh, attacks are kind of the arms frailing of the antis. So I think uh, the way that the community has grown and uh, adapted and literally taken the wing, the air out from underneath the wings of the antis who I kind of mentioned it for always depended on that. I don't want to say ignorance because it's not that they're ignorant. They're just unaware, right? That unawareness of those 80%. So 
So the last few years, as frustrating as it is to see some of the, and I know for you, especially living in a state where you have to deal with the actual, you know, last vis- last pieces of this stuff, uh, the fact that we're seeing it the way we are, uh, I think that's what I think is the, the accomplishment I'm most satisfied to see. So I really think it's going towards awareness that guns are normal, that guns aren't something to be scared of. And that ends up being you're not afraid of your neighbor. You're not afraid of what other people own. And that's we all win when we have a country like that. Yeah, that you bring up a good point, because I think that was something that was taken for granted for years. Uh, Wouldn't you say? And when do you think that change really happened where um, most people had guns and never thought twice about them. It was just kind of a, a thing. It was like a tool in the tool shed. So you'd be afraid of a gun as much as you'd be afraid of a rake or a hoe or a, you know, uh lawnmower or a steak knife in the drawer. Right. Um, that was kind of, honestly, I think it come, I haven't had a time to personally research this, but I am probably most convinced that it came from the intentional, coverage and the the number the amount of coverage the media and in general just the you know if it be bleeds it leads type of modern media Mm -hmm. covers anything with a firearm that's negative to an extent more than the the super bowl more than presidential elections and more than war and when that started that's when lunatics and crazies quit kidnapping and they quit doing other things that are horrible that i don't need to mention and started doing the one thing that will get them the media attention that they seek. And they ignore the manifestos and things that say, you know, this is why I'm doing it. And they continue to do it. So I think that's what bred it. And that's what keeps it overinflated. You know, when we have fentanyl deaths at 79,000 mm-hmm. every year, and, you know, what's the distraction from that? The two out of every three firearms deaths, right, from suicide. Yep. Yep. They don't want to work on the root mitigating causes of suicide but they'll go after gun owners who will comply with infringement. So I think when that became a, a mechanism, that's when that started. But like I, my answer to the other question, the fact that we're seeing the lack of nuance and the lack of ability for them to defend against the new gun owners, the DC project, the uh, armed women of America, right? Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff, the, the changing face of gun ownership. Uh, the, what is it? The uh, New England after the, I forget your Massachusetts one. You were talking about the, oh, the mass, NAGA mass women's gun owners and then the yeah. NAGA New England, yeah. New um, England, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's what's, that's the that's the, the reality of 2023. And uh, soon we'll see Feinstein just left, or I mean, Pelosi just left, soon we'll see Feinstein leave. And Hopefully these legacy soon. gun people, they won't be given the respect that they were given to go after these dead-end civil rights abuses. Yeah, well, thanks for the show today, Pete. Uh, Where can people find your stuff? Where's the best place to go? We're live every weeknight at midnight Eastern for the Daily Gun Show. Join us every single weeknight. The Daily Gun Show on G-Webs, our gun website's YouTube channel. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. We'll certainly put a link in there, or you can drop it in the text as well or in the chat. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And remember, this show is ending here, but you can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us or call the text, call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. And keep up the good fight. Support your local community and be an advocate for responsible gun ownership in your community. Together as Americans, we can overcome anything. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. We'll see you next time. This is Rapid Fire.